Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. As marketers look to deal with people putting lockdown on the purse strings, advice from thought leaders globally is pretty consistent. Now is the time to double down on brand. While this makes sense at a high level, it's unclear what this means practically, and the advice feels like it's without nuance. Today we discuss what a brand is, and whether now is indeed the time to be committing more time to building it. I'm Richard Wood. I run the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around about 18 years now, and I am a massive believer in that people should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating people as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet anymore. I'm Joe Glover. I'm the founder of the Marketing Meetup. It's a community of 14,000 marketers around the UK and established very much on the basis of looking after each other and uh, just looking at marketing in, in a way where the humans come first. So looking at it from a higher level, what does brand actually mean? It often means different things to different people and we're being told time and time again that brand is where our focus should be right now. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what brand actually means to marketers and how we can use that in the new environment that we find ourselves in. So over to you, Joe. What does brand mean for you? I'm going to take a borrowed definition. So it's borrowed from Margaret Malloy, who we did a, uh, a webinar with last week. And uh, she's the global CMO of Siegel & Gale, a, a branding and experience agency. And she defined brand as a promise kept. Now, the reason why I thought that was quite interesting was that essentially when people think about branding, they think about the logo, they think about the tone of voice, they think about, you know, how a thing looks, but quite often they don't think about the experience element of it as well, which is how people interact with it, uh, how people interact throughout the, the, the cycle, the marketing cycle. So I really like that definition because it took things to a higher level, which was, it's not just the logo, it's the whole experience of how a customer chooses to engage with your brand and how they experience it. And I entirely agree with that, but I think potentially a promise kept is looking at in the, the rosy tin as well, because I think also a brand can be built around a promise broken, or like, I mean, it can be destabilized by a promise broken. So I think, yes, there's an element of promise, but I'm not necessarily sure that having to keep the promise defines a brand. Not that I'm advocating that brands go out and break their promises, but I think on the experience side, I wholeheartedly agree. So if you if you think about brands where generally if I say to you brand, a lot of the things that come to mind will immediately be the aesthetic side. Mm. So we have clients come to us all the time and say, we need a new brand. And quite often what they mean is we need a new logo and new color palette. Now mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's not a, 
a new brand that's potentially a, a brand refresh or mm-hmm. just tweaking some of the visual elements. A new brand to me is looking at the entire customer experience and non-customer experience and what that can mean in terms of the experiential level of that brand. For sure. So I want to start off with a, a question for you. Mm-hmm. You strike me as somebody who appreciates good quality active wear. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like <laughs> leggings, but uh, outdoor wear. Yeah. So let me ask you, Patagonia or North Face? Um, Patagonia, but I do appreciate North Face too. Why Patagonia? Um, for me, it's, it's as much of a cultural movement as it is a, a, a brand. You know, the things that they stand for as much as the clothing themselves and the logo and stuff like that. You know, they've got, they've got a very strong purpose. So absolutely nothing to do with the product? <laughs> no, nothing to do with the product. In fact, arguably North Face Anything that I've bought from Patagonia, I've been minorly t- disappointed, so, but I'd still go back. <laughs> that illustrates the point that we're, we're talking about. Is and Both of those brands have almost identical origin stories. Um, I mean, the give or take, they do very similar products. They both have relatively similar ethos. It's about exploring and being outdoors, but one has taken a much more socially responsible angle, mm-hmm. Patagonia. And has then become fairly entrenched within the SaaS market as well. So, I mean, if you walk down Silicon Valley, there is a lot of Patagonia that's floating about. Yeah. But, and I think all of that is built on experience and has very limited involvement in the aesthetic side. So leading up to doing this episode, I decided to put out on my LinkedIn and Twitter feeds uh, just a question saying, like, who, who are your favorite brands and why? And the most telling thing that I got back from that was maybe 10% of the people coming back talked about anything to do with product. It was all cultural. It was ethos. It was the way the brands make them feel. And what was really interesting is several of those replies. When When I said brand, I was thinking companies, products, those kind of things. But actually, several of those replies I got back were around people. So talking about people as a brand, so like Michael Jordan as a brand and how he made people feel. We talked a little bit about Phil Knight and Shoe Dog from Nike, how Mm -hmm. that has made somebody feel. And it's all, that gives the brand more of an encompassing feel to it. And you are right. Brands to me now are experiential, but they used to be very aesthetic. And the term brand comes from where we used to uh, stamp livestock. That's what it means. And I think now we're taking elements of that where it's being branded within somebody's mind. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's about how you feel. I've just said how you feel many, many times. But you know, but I, I think that's a really interesting point. And actually the book that got me into marketing in the first place was, I, I read it when I was like 15. It was the first marketing book that I've ever read. And the thing, it was written by the then uh, CEO of Saatchi. Saatchi. The basic premise of, of it is that people can can hold a real sort of emotional resonance with brands you know they can actually come to to love them you know it it becomes a real sort of emotional attachment and the thing that struck me about the folks who replied to your your questions were not only you're spot on with the resonance but it was also the emotional language that they were using you know transparency and love and, and innovation and and you know but they're all speaking about it in very personal terms 
as if it was their personal experience of what was going on. And, you know, I, I just wholeheartedly sort of believe that there's a lot that's wrapped up in sort of like this brand purpose stuff, you know, and, and, and folks are trying to add this to their model right now because they're recognizing that people can resonate with a brand. But and a lot of it's quite phony. But when you get it right, brand can be so powerful and, you know, doesn't need to be revolving around a single person, although that can add to it. It's just something that lives and breathes in its own way, which is really, really cool. The thing that I love about brand as well is that it is subjective and it, it's almost in, in the same way that you and I can look at different paintings and kind of have a different reaction to them because it's based on on our experiences, our, our knowledge and like our desires and wants, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's where truly powerful brands start to come into play. If you if you think about it, so so Audi, for example, you might look at an Audi and go, that exudes aspiration, mm-hmm. refined technology, all of those kind of things that go into that. And I might look at it and go, Audi to me equates to dickhead driver. Like there's <laughs> there's two different sides to that brand, but it's the same same car and mm-hmm. it's it's got nothing to do with the product necessarily. But we're both looking at the same thing and having different emotional reactions to that. And quite often they are illogical. And I think that that is where the power of brand becomes incredibly exciting and interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we were speaking with uh, Rory Sutherland the other day, and it was funny that, you know, his big thing is is that stuff being illogical. You know, a lot of his argument is just about the value of the product not being in, in the product itself, but how people perceive it. Yeah. It's those moments of magic, which are often very intangible, very, very hard to prove on a spreadsheet which can often be those moments of magic that really propel a brand, a, a company into the stratosphere, not only in terms of how people resonate with it, but also driving cold hard cash. A good brand with moments of magic, moments of illogical, whatever it is built into it, just drives money, <laughs> which is uh, an, an amazing thing. But I will come back slightly because I define brand, but I don't think you did yeah i think you questioned mine which rightly you did but i mean if you were to give a sentence what would you say would be a brand to you to me brand is a thing so not necessarily a company but is a thing that makes me feel an emotional engagement to it and has a almost a a movement behind it now I, i think there's different levels of brand and i think quite often we get branding and brand confused just because you have branding doesn't necessarily make you a brand but i think brand is something that can stand on its own away from the the product or services that it or the people necessarily that actually kind of run it or are involved with it now some brands are built around the people and some brands are built around the product typically speaking for me a brand is something that is gives you an emotional response and stands on its own two feet away from everything else within the business and i think a a true brand has significant value and so you know i love a good apple analogy when it comes to this stuff but if you if you look at apple and i am a huge apple fanboy i have most of their products even some of the ones that tanked they have (laughs) done incredibly well at taking something that is Technologically speaking, it's rarely the best technology available anymore. And pound for pound in terms of cost, it is Mm. definitely not up there. However, they've built a brand that is both aspirational and now fairly ubiquitous. And I cannot think of another brand that has been able to achieve the two things simultaneously. We talked about community and experience and things like that in some of our previous episodes. And 
for me, Apple is built around the experience of owning and engaging in that community. So like from when you start the process, you walk into this beautifully curated storefront, you are then presented with a a no-till environment, and then you are engaging with people who are obviously fans of, sometimes I question whether or not the people are being paid in that store because they are so (laughs) happy to be there and just chatting about Apple products. Mm -hmm. That's, it's a nice thing to engage with in an exciting environment to be in. And then you leave the store with your new Apple product in a, a, a shopping bag that is, even the shopping bag has a nice feel and quality to it. And it's almost mm-hmm. like a badge of honor when you walk back through the, the shopping center with, with this big Apple emblazoned on the side of it. And then you get home and you have the unboxing experience. So we're in Apple office and I set up all the laptops and I do that mostly because I like the smell when I open the box. <laughs> that whole unboxing experience is key to their mm-hmm. that brand experience and then then you start to couple into that how, how they're impacting society they do have some checkered parts in that past obviously there was um, um some child labor allegations all that kind of stuff but if you mm-hmm. look at particularly with tim cook now they're starting to mm-hmm. take political standpoints on certain aspects as well they've always supported uh, aids charity with the red iphones and their collaboration with i think it was u2 um mm-hmm. so they've always done that um they are big supporters of the lgbtq uh, society as well they're a brand mm-hmm. who are now starting to take more of a standpoint and that appeals to me i don't think their brand hasn't been built on that their brand was built on the excitement of jobs and uh, Steve Jobs, not employment, yeah. <laughs> um, and these shiny new products. They had Johnny Ives and like they had yeah. some incredible stuff. And technologically speaking, they had some incredible advances. But mm. that's fallen away. But they've got this brand, and it is, I think, that what they second richest company behind Amazon now. Yeah. It's like unfathomable. Like eight, they beat HP, Xerox, all of these kind of people to the fore and that was built on brand well you know i mean it's, it's interesting you know apple and of course the association is so often with jobs but i think that point you said about a brand standing on its own two feet and going beyond the person and this is something that i've started to experience a little bit myself in my own business and i'd be interested if you have too because obviously you're quite well known as an individual running uh, your business too but what i found is that for the first two, three years, and I'm still getting these questions now, so it's certainly not a a transition that's been completed. For the first two, three years, people were saying, well, how are you going to scale your business? Because it's it's just you. You know, everything about your business is just you. And and the transformation that I'm starting to see now is that people are starting to speak about my business without it being uh, also associated with me. You know, they're speaking about it as an entity, something which provides value on its own accord and Either I happen to be involved or, you know, not even knowing I exist, which is quite a lovely thing, you know, and, and I I love that when I see a post and someone's just speaking about the marketing meetup and they have no idea who I am or what I do or anything like that. Not because I'm important or anything like that, but because the association we typically have been with both. Um, but now it's starting to be one or the other or maybe both but you know they're both entry points so i i think that's that's a wicked thing and and to see a brand being built i think that standing on its own two feet thing is just really really important for us us as a a business one of our goals for 2020 was to transition away from being an agency 
and mm -hmm. focusing on becoming a brand. So like right. looking at how, how we are perceived within the market, how we can foster that process. And I think you're like, you're right. Our business was built in the, the exactly the same way because the business starts with one person. You are the person who is engaging. And unless you start talking about yourself in some weird third party <laughs> process, it's, you will always be at the beginning of your business, the, the kind of split focus, you will be the big part of that. And I think where, where we've got to as a business now is we've started to not even started, I think going back maybe about 18 months, we started to get to the point where it stood on its own right away from me. And now mm. the interesting full circle that we're coming back in is I'm starting to push the brand, my personal brand, and to mm -hmm. speak about in a wanky way, but my personal brand is <laughs> I'm starting to push that back to the forefront now because the idea is that we now have the Six and Flow brand that stands on its own right, and then yeah. my brand that stands on its own right. And we're both pushing towards the same goals, but there's different ways to now engage with us. And people want to engage in different ways. People find find the individual brand or person more mm -hmm. easily approachable, but mm -hmm. they also get a kick out of being engaged with by a brand in a totally different separate way. If you start to look at, so when I ask that question about whose favorite brands and like on LinkedIn, one of the um, responses was around Innocent. And it mm -hmm. was very much driven by the way that they engage with people on, on Twitter. And I think mm -hmm. like I have a very similar feeling towards Burger King. It's very, very rare that I will eat that kind of food. And Burger King, I can't even remember the last time I went, but like their, their Twitter feed is hilarious. Them and Wendy's, the way that they um, kind of engage <laughs> yeah. with each other and quite often yeah. shut down McDonald's is, <laughs> is hilarious. And that, that endears me to that brand and it makes me feel something towards them. But again, it is entirely product agnostic it has got nothing to do with what they actually sell yeah so bringing that on to topic of how do businesses now utilize brand and actually before we get onto that you mentioned when you were starting your business people are constantly asking you well how are you going to scale it how are you going to grow it and i think this is one of the things that drifted exceedingly well is not focusing on things that will scale do the things that won't scale and i think that's where you will start to get better engagement because people want to feel like they're special people want to feel like they're part of something and if you are only focused on the metrics that can scale you're going to miss huge parts of that and if you can take somebody who has a sphere of influence in the markets that you're trying to sell into and you can engage with them in a, a special way they will automatically mm -hmm. start to push that onto other people as well so like again with drift we had a, a joke with them that we were going to do a skydive with them over boston now Obviously, yeah. they cannot skydive with every partner in their ecosystem because at some point someone will die, yeah. statistically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> but what that did is it created this feeling of excitement around a brand that was willing to engage with people like that. And like we did great out of it as an agency because we got notoriety. They got the we're the cool brand that are willing to do cool stuff. And that becomes exciting. For sure. Yeah. And, and that's that's on a few levels. I mean, what you did there was inspire a company. But you also, well, first you inspired the individuals who had influence within the company, and then you inspired the whole company because they had influence there. I think that that whole not scaling thing is really interesting. And I think what that does really well is it acts as a brand reinforcer, but it does, it acts as a reinforcer to those key individuals. 
but it can be used in different kind of ways. So I remember in my previous role, one of the things that I used to be really, really fond of was writing handwritten letters that were super personalized uh, to people and then sending like a super personalized gift as well. So like spending maybe like half a day researching the individual and finding out what they like, dislike and stuff like that. And then finding like a personalized sort of thing to send through to them. There's all these little acts which uh, don't scale, which do act as moments of magic that I've remembered for a long, long time. Okay, so like as you mentioned in the, the intro, every thought leader in the space is talking about focus on content, focus on brand. That's what's going to get you through this mm -hmm. next period. That's where your effort should be spent. What the fuck does that actually mean? <laughs> How does somebody take that advice and mobilize it? How do we get that? in action and actually start doing something with it so the first thing for me would be an attitude the attitude is uh, that now is not the time to be shoving a cold sales message down someone's throats and i think the reason why this advice is needed to be repeated again and again and again is because we're all under pressure right now to be selling more stuff but i don't think many people are buying and even if they are then they're still going to be doing it under the same premise of what they did before which was a relationship so I don't think shoving stuff down people's throat is going to work right now. So that removes kind of a focus on on sales goals being like the number one focus right now. I think when we start looking around doubling down on brand, I do think content is part of that. That's reinforcing your messaging. That's being useful to the community of people who engage with your products. But then I'd also start looking at those experiential things. So how are we... And I'd, I'd literally map it out as like a, a funnel, really, you know, at the awareness stage, what are we doing where the customer is experiencing our brand and what can we do to make that truly special, you know, and do that truly special today. And then also in six months time when, you know, the quote unquote new normal, which I think everyone will be rolling their eyes at right now is, is, in, is in implementation. So, you know, at the awareness stage, what can we do to make that experience special? And that experience word is, is the key thing. And then I'd literally be applying that at the consideration, purchase, retention and advocacy stages and saying, look, what's the magic touches that we can do for individuals that is not necessarily going to be looking to drive anything today, but certainly, you know, it will be able to mobilize people in six months time uh, when they are ready to buy or when the market's moving again, when the economy's thriving again. So I guess that would be my starting point, but I'd be interested. How about you? So the place that I would start with this is by talking to your existing customers, actually speak to them and say, what does my brand mean to you? Why did you buy from us? There were plenty of other options. Why did you come to us? What was it that made us special? And use that as a basis to actually define the brand direction and how that brand, where the emotive value in your brand is with those people. And then look to accelerate that or emphasize that and grow those elements and use that as part of your communication and focus on the experience. We're trying to create an unboxing experience with our services because what we want is somebody to enjoy the process of working with us so much that actually what we deliver becomes fairly irrelevant. I want the experience yeah. to be such a great experience that people start to want to work with us just on that basis because that's where you start to get people to refer business on. And I think mm -hmm. one of the keys for me in all of this is taking an approach of show, don't tell. 
So you need to be in a position where you are showing people what your brand values are, how you're engaging in the market, how you can help. Mm-hmm. Just stop telling them. You use yeah. the, the cold outreach example. That for me is like a prime example of somebody reaching out going, hey, come buy this thing from me because I understand your your needs. And I just don't think that works in this environment at the moment. I'm getting hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. And I think over the last three, four weeks, that has just exponentially grown because obviously people are like, shit, we need to do digital. Let's start hitting our lead mm-hmm. and contacts as hard as we can. And I get it. Like people are, are falling back on the things that we know. But I think ultimately that's going to do more damage than good because if you don't script that conversation or outreach very, very carefully, it can come across as callous Mm -hmm. and opportunist. That's where people need to be careful. So you need to approach a a show, don't tell. And I would 100% double down on the evergreen value that people have in this that is good quality content that is helping digital events that are going to help people and generally help them not just flog products to them have a look at can you give up some of your time or your some of your experience to help people because all of that feeds back into the experience of what your brand actually means to somebody so to start with you've got to figure out what angle you're going to take with your brand and how that's going to work and then how that then feeds into your your processes and what you can do to emphasize that in the market. I love that. And I think that's that's the point that uh, Margaret made again uh, last week was, you know, it's a point of action. It's not just one of um, sort of speaking about it. And we all see it in our thousands of emails in our inbox right now with a, a message from our CEO, you know, and it's uh, trying to, I don't know what they're trying to do, to be honest, you know, other than just say stuff. But the example that we gave in the first podcast I, I believe was with Dunelm where I thought you came up with a really smart way of, of uh, negotiating this position and, and uh, moving through it which was that if Dunelm were to offer me a 10% off voucher right now I'd be like that's ridiculous I don't care I'm not looking to buy some cushions <laughs> there's a global pandemic going on but if Dunelm were to offer a thousand cushions to NHS staff or something like that the brand resonance that I'd have from that, you know, and sort of think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to shop with them in six weeks, six months time would be a meal. And that's the difference between the spoken word of we're doing our best to support the community without any action backing it up. And then also showing an action, which is freaking wicked, that would ultimately make me think a lot better of them. Even by just saying words, Dunelm have given away a thousand cushions to NHS workers, which they haven't done so far as I'm aware, makes me think of Dunelm better. I think a good measure of when your brand has kind of moved to that next level is when you don't actually own the brand anymore. Obviously, you own own the assets, you own the creative, the trademarks, all of that but you don't actually own the perception of that brand anymore. And when you're small, it's very easy to duck and dive and adapt and change. But when you've you've made it into the, the consciousness, that's when I don't feel like you can have ownership because it's brand is subjective. It is about feelings. And the only way to nurture that is to be sticking to your brand values. So your your culture, your values, making sure that they're clear and you're aligned with them. And then you've just got to, you've just got to pass it over, let it go, let it fly. Well, that's it. And I think as human beings, we like to feel like we're liked, 
but the purpose of a brand isn't to Paddy appeal Power. to everyone. Either. Paddy Power is a prime example. Yeah. Their goal in life exactly. is to piss off 50% of the market because it will strengthen the other 50% <laughs> who are well engaged with it. And I mean, they, they walk a very, very fine line, but for the people that they're trying mm-hmm. to sell to, it definitely works because they are, they're going after mm-hmm. the sports humor lad culture and their message resonates. Well, you know, I, I think perfect example because they've summarized their brand value. The one word that's going to summarize their brand is mischievousness. So not only have they taken the time to identify that as one of their brand values, but then, then they're putting into action. You know, they've hired someone whose job is literally to do mischievous stuff, you know, like be it a, a hot air balloon in the shape of underpants or a break now. Um, in case of emergency, Alex Ferguson outside of Old Trafford and, and all those sort of things, you know, that's that's awesome. Although the last one did annoy me a bit. We've spoken a little bit about this, but do you have any sort of like go-to activities for building brand? Do you sort of think about any one or two channels that are particularly strong in building brand? I would say right now, my go-to activity, because I've seen how phenomenally well it's working for us, is using the personal brand of the people within the company, not just the managing director, the CEOs, but actually using the people across the business. And I'm when we suggest this to clients, their immediate reaction is like, why would I want to promote my team member? That will just make them easy targets. Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah. yeah, there's an element of that, but also you need to ease back off of that kind of thinking because by utilizing those people around you are helping them grow as individuals you are helping engage them within the business but you are also widening your scope as a business of influence Absolutely. that's where people have to step into the kind of the, the modern the modern world a little bit more but well, i agree it's the same it's the same thing with training your staff right if, if you thought they were if you weren't going to train your staff because you thought they might move on one day then you're only going to suffer in the short term so so like my my go-to activity at the moment is using your personal brand to help support the business brand and that can happen at, at like the lower end of sme that can right up to enterprise so what we do now is whenever we have content or we have something to shout about as a company we will curate a brand exposure based on the people within the business so whenever we have something that we're launching you will see all across our social feeds like the team me the company we will all be promoting the same message but in the tone of the person who is doing it and it's curated so that it's all happening at the same time and we're all engaging with each other so we're also using the we're all using social proof to help like promote that into a wider uh, market and i think that's where people need to start thinking about it in a little bit more detail and using that process deeper that's my mm. go-to at the moment no you know i agree I, I think one of the the things i'm really struggling with at the moment given the current situation is that everything is digital and i feel like if i send out a message from the marketing meetup i'm very mindful that i'm not I don't want to wear my audience out with messages from the marketing meetup. Um, that being said, I feel I post daily on LinkedIn, you know, not as a like strategy, but generally speaking, I, I just feel like I have something to share. You know, I'll, I'll have one thing that's uh, worthwhile sharing each day. And and that doesn't appear as, as much as I, I'm aware to have worn people out. You know, people can choose to engage with it or not. But it's not a message from a faceless organization. It's just a person sharing their 
their views and and occasionally I share stuff from the marketing meetup as well you know which seems to work really well but that I mean but that's that's a prime example you've got two channels there so you've got you and then you've mm. got the marketing meetup channel so you are sell, like selling the same thing and it's a an aligned message but you have two different audiences and you also have the ability to move away from that uh, wariness that's where businesses need to focus a bit more so are there any great resources that you're aware of that people should be looking to engage with to so i'm i'm totally going to steal the one that you mentioned earlier because i forgot what a great book that was um is love marks mm-hmm. it's uh, kevin is it kevin mcleod no kevin McLeod, he's the the house guy isn't it? kevin roberts so the ex ceo yeah. of sachi and sachi he was the the guy for me who like i wanted to ultimately kind of grow into his job i wanted to work talking about brands i wanted to work for sachi and sachi yeah. and grow into like a creative director role. that was my <laughs> that's where i wanted to end up that yeah. that book was one that kind of made me fall in love with the Saatchi and Saatchi brand all over again. The other one that I would recommend as well, and it's a short book, is This Won't Scale. That was Dan Murphy and Dave Gerhardt from Drift. That is very much what we've been talking about, is look at the things that won't necessarily scale and what they can do on an emotive level for your business. So I would definitely look at those two as resources. The other podcast I would shout out at the moment as well is um, Everyone Hates Marketers. So that is a great resource. Mm. Like have a look through the back catalog. There's plenty of stuff on brand and engagement in there. And it's a great resource to just get the the cogs turning in your head. And then the only other thing I'd add is probably just look at what's going out there in the wild and, and see what you're resonating with. And, and I don't say steal it, but certainly look to emulate it, you know, and, and but put your own spin on it. I think one of these people that you see the Olegs of the world and stuff like that putting do you agree at the end of your LinkedIn updates it may drive engagement but it's quite clear what people are trying to do so I would personally wouldn't copy that one tactic specifically but if you're seeing people being successful and you think that you can mirror it in a way that's unique to you if, if you're talking about LinkedIn engagement from a, a personal brand experience my biggest tip is don't make it about you. Internally, we refer to it as a a jab, jab, punch approach. And by jab, we mean give. And so it's give, give, ask, give, give, ask. And you wanna make it so much about giving that people barely notice the ask bit. So you you will give some advice, you will give some opinion, And then maybe one day in the week, you will say, and here is a blog post we've written on our site, or here's a guide, or here's a podcast, here's an event. But you need to make it about giving because yes, you will get engagement on the ones where you ask for things. But what you actually want to do with those channels is you want to grow your audience. If you're not growing your audience, you're only ever going to hit the same people. So you need to make sure that you're building audience and then asking. So that would be my biggest tip on that process. So I feel like there's probably a lot more that we could have covered, but we we try and keep these to about half an hour. And I imagine we're pretty much there. So if you have any ideas for future episodes, then please send them through. I'm Josephine Glover on Twitter. And Rich is Rich T. Wood. And uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, we may be bold and ugly, but we're generally friendly. So uh, please send through some episodes, uh, ideas. I think in the next episode, we're actually going to be challenging a, uh, a listener suggestion, which is pretty cool. 
one thing that will make a real big difference not only to us but hopefully getting the word out there and spreading the word about about this podcast is if you could leave us a review or a star rating indeed both uh, on apple podcasts in specific it really makes a world of difference in terms of making sure that we can get this out to as many people as possible in the best possible way with all that said there's a, just a big thank you from me thank you very much take care and hope you have a great day you've been listening to humans come first sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.